Hello, I'm Jameis. And I'm Tessa. Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness and nerdiness and sometimes plain absurdiness. Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. It's episode 30, Tessa. I cannot even believe that. Me neither. It's like a month of Sundays. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like. (laughs) It really boggles my mind that we've kept this up for so long. We've been having a lot of fun. We have. It's been really, really interesting to dig into the histories of these words and find out all these fascinating relationships and connections and derivations. And honestly, I'm excited to hear what relationships, connections, and derivations you've got for us this week, Tessa. So (laughs) want to start things off for us? Sure thing. So recently, I've been reading, among other things, a book with my younger children, reading aloud, one of Lucy Maud Montgomery's books in the Anne of Green Gables series. So we're on book seven, Rainbow Valley. And this past week, we came across some really fun words and phrases in there. And the first one was leal, L-E-A-L. Leal. And I had never heard that before. And this is the context from the book. The wind was laughing and whistling about them like a leal, glad-hearted comrade. So it's an adjective, obviously. And as I always love to hear, one of my kids said, can we look that up? <laughs> <laughs> so Adam Online says that leal came about into English in the 1300s, meaning loyal, faithful, honest, and true. And you can hear the connection with loyal there. Yeah. The form of the word at that time was L-E-L-E, leal, surviving from Middle English as Northern English and Scottish, a form of loyal. And they had the words lealty, leal-hearted. It's kind of a fun word. Interesting. And it's it's interesting to know that Montgomery is was very proudly of Scottish heritage and she traveled to Scotland and was very interested in all things Scottish. So it's not a surprise that she would use yeah. that word in her writing. So another thing that we came across in the same book a few chapters later. So one of the young characters, a young boy, has done something that his siblings perceive as being wrong and He submits to a punishment that they all decide on together. And he's going to sit on this flat tombstone in the graveyard until midnight, (laughs) which is a very frightening thing. And this is going to be his punishment to atone for what thing he's done. And his name is Carl. And this is the sentence that we read. Carl must dree his weird alone. Dree is weird. <laughs> so I had never heard dree, for one thing, and to say dree is weird. I'd never heard weird used in that kind of a noun sense, being possessed by someone. Mm-hmm. We were very much intrigued. So did some research and found that dree means to suffer, bear, or endure. Coming from Old English dreogen, to work, suffer, or endure. And another word that comes from this is drudge. So that idea of working and suffering and very unpleasant circumstances. Yeah. And Adam Online says that 
perhaps from a tendency to be confused with the word draw, the verb dree faded from use, but lingered in the north of England and in Scottish dialects, and was revived as an archaism by Sir Walter Scott and his imitators. If you know anything about Lucy Maud Montgomery, she's quite a fan of Sir Walter Scott and other writers and poets from that tradition. So it, it makes sense that this would be a word that she would enjoy. Yeah. So that explains dree, but then weird. So in about 1400, the word weird was being used as a verb. And that had originally come from a noun form in Old English spelled W-Y-R-D, weird, meaning fate, chance, fortune, destiny. Ah. Literally, that which comes. <laughs> <laughs> so in this spooky season of Halloween, that's kind of an interesting yeah. word, that which comes. But to dree one's weird, this phrase apparently is from about the 14th century, to abide one's fate or destiny. Right? So Carl had to just suffer his fate because of the choice that he had made from the story that we read. So if you think about Macbeth, we've got the characters of the three witches. And another name for them is the Weird Sisters. And that has <laughs> shown up in other cultural places. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter, for one thing, right? That's a fun joke. But the Weird Sisters are thought to be a representation of the three fates or norns, N-O-R-N-S, in Germanic mythology, goddesses who controlled human destiny. Okay. So the fates, if we think of the fates, this was the Germanic version of the fates. They were portrayed as odd or frightening in appearance. And if you've seen Macbeth on the stage, that is usually how they're portrayed. And this connection with that strangeness and oddity of appearance came to be associated with that descriptor of them as being weird. Instead of the fate sisters, it became the strange sisters, right? And so people started to associate the meaning of weird with that. So odd looking or uncanny became a meaning for weird in about 1815. So this was a bit later. Um, disturbingly different, odd or strange in 1820. And eventually the modern sense that we most often associate with weird, uncanny or supernatural. It's interesting how it was primarily used as a noun and eventually became an adjective. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So thanks to Lucy Maud Montgomery... <laughs> We have increased our vocabulary by at least two Scottish archaisms that will add some spice and a little bit of mystery and weirdness, weirdness. to our conversation this Halloween week. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Tessa. That's yeah. really cool. Well, thanks for listening. So I came across a phrase that I've heard many, many times, uh, hocus pocus. Another is... Halloween appropriate <laughs> exactly. term. Exactly. Very appropriate. And it's a fascinating phrase. Today, it's used as a common, almost stereotypical invocation used by magicians when performing sleight of hand, and when used as a noun, can mean foolishness or empty pretense used to disguise deception. Hmm. Like, that's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah, right? interesting. But the word has been around a long time, more than four centuries at least. Thomas A.D., a 17th century physician, wrote in 1655 about a man who went about in King James's time who, quote, 
called himself the King's Majesty's Most Excellent Hocus Pocus. <laughs> and so was called because that at the playing of every trick, he used to say, Hocus Pocus Tantus Tabantus Vade Salariter Jubeo. Ooh, so a Latin sounding term. <laughs> yeah, very mysterious sounding. So James was king until his death in 1625. So it's interesting that in 1619, there was a magician by the name of William Vincent who was given a license to perform magic in England. We may never know for sure, but it might be that William Vincent was this very hocus pocus. <laughs> he may also have been the author of the first English-language book about magic, which was published anonymously in 1635 under the title Hocus Pocus Jr., the Anatomy of Legerdemain. <laughs> so did they believe that his magic was real and actual, or it's interesting to be given a license to do magic? Right, I think it was more like a business kind of license, okay. is, as I understand it, just to be permitted to perform and get money for, for doing these tricks. And given that original quote about being the king's majesty's most excellent hocus-pocus, it makes me wonder if... It was a license to perform for the king, even mm. like to. So his entertainer level. kind of thing. Yeah, Jester I don't know for almost. sure though. Yeah, mm. that's that's my take on it. But it reminds me of that book that you read. That's kind of an alternate history, right, of magic in England. Oh yes, uh, yes, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. Yeah, that's a, a of fascinating that. <laughs> book. Yeah, it actually reminded me a lot. There's a magician in that book that performs on the street and is kind of low and dirty and all this and uh anyway it reminded me very much like when i read about <laughs> william vincent it made me think of that fascinating <laughs> yeah well this this book that uh, was written in 1835 or 1635 pardon me you can actually read it on google books like and i'll include a link to that in the show notes it's kind of fascinating but yes if, if you're a fan of Susanna clark and jonathan strange and mr norrell Reading through that Hocus Pocus Jr. book is kind of a, an interesting exercise when you think about it being written or read by that other character in that book. So the question I had, though, is where did Vincent or, or whoever he might have been come up with the words Hocus Pocus? Mm -hmm. Well, here's where the history of the word gets murky, because no one knows for sure. But there are plenty of theories, and Wikipedia does a pretty good job of summarizing them. I pull a lot of this from Wikipedia, but other websites also talk about aspects of this. The first is that the word comes from the court of Rudolf II, Holy Roman Emperor, until 1612, who had a great interest in alchemy and the occult. Rudolf's domain extended to include some Slavic regions, and the word pokus apparently means an attempt or experiment in Czech or Slovak. Hmm. Also, if hocus is understood to be a distorted form of the Latin word meaning this, or even perhaps to cheat, you begin to get a sense of hocus pocus. One or the other. One or the other. You get a sense of it meaning possibly this experiment or cheated attempt. Fascinating. So that's that's one theory. Another theory kind of related to this is that hocus pocus is an attempt to sound Latin. Like you said, mm -hmm. that very Latin sounding phrase. Hocus pocus tantus tabantus vade salariter jubeo. <laughs> it's almost like a little child's nonsense rhyme or something. Kind of has that feel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it makes me want, like, imagine these performers and jugglers and magicians on the street corners in England, you know, just <laughs> trying to draw an audience around and, and leaning on the mysterious for that. Absolutely. It may even be some corrupted Latin phrase, as one writer suggested, who wrote a century after the phrase first appeared. He claimed that it was a corruption of the phrase used in the Eucharist, 
hoc est corpum meum, hmm. hoc est corpum, like hocus pocus, hmm. meaning this is my body, is Latin. It's interesting to note in this sense that some other languages which use the phrase hocus pocus, because it's not just English, have additional Latin sounding words which go with it. In the Netherlands, for example, hocus pocus is often accompanied by pilatus pas, <laughs> which is said to be a corruption of part of the Catholic credo. Wow. Similarly, in Scandinavia, the phrase is accompanied by filiocus, a corruption of the Latin term filioque from the Nicene Creed, which means and the sun. And in Russia, they commonly add filipokus to hocus pocus, which is probably derived from the same, same thing as filiocus. And in fact, according to Wikipedia, the word for stage trick in Russian is focus, probably derived from hocus pocus. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of interesting how these other languages have also borrowed that phrase and incorporated other Latinisms along with it. Yeah. Suggests, you know, that that could be uh, a valid origin of the phrase. Another interesting theory is that the word is derived from the name of a magician or demon from Norse mythology, one Ochus Bochus, <laughs> O-C-H-U-S, B-O-C-H-U-S, sometimes written Ochre Boker. <laughs> this theory has been around since the early 19th century when it was included by the historian Sharon Turner in his book, The History of the Anglo-Saxons. Per Google Books, it seems especially popular, this theory seems especially popular in books about the occult. Hmm. That's where a lot of them are referenced. The last theory is probably the most likely, but it's the least satisfying, and that's that the words hocus pocus may simply be pure gibberish, <laughs> just produced whole cloth from the mind of a juggler and magician in 17th century England, and then perpetuated by popular culture over the centuries. <laughs> so we, we may never know for sure, but... One thing we do know, magicians would have a much poorer vocabulary without it. <laughs> it's interesting how widespread it is in different languages, though. That's something that surprises yeah. me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it surprised me, too, because um, just given that the, the, the earliest origins of the word, the written origins of it are in England, you know, mm -hmm. surprising that it would show up in other languages, too. Well, thank you so much. That was a really fascinating look into the history of word. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us again for episode 30. We hope to have many more episodes. We appreciate you staying with us as we learn and grow. And we hope that you are also learning much about language with us and on your own. And at any time, feel free to reach out to us and share with us your thoughts on your new favorite word.